in a world where hooded cultists totally, 100% actually exist. So, Chip, why did you want me to come to this abandoned building with you? Oh, who are your friends in the hoods? Where ritualistic human sacrifices take place daily. God is dead! Satan lives! Where your local daycare serves as their base of operations, and everyone who likes metal is definitely one of them. Starring Mike Warnke. Why is it that you drive in a parkway and park in a driveway? Key McFarland. We've got to believe the children. And the entire town of Salem, Massachusetts. She's a witch! Burner! This January, get ready to panic about the satanic. Rated R, coming to a podcast feed two towns over from you. So I say all the time that nobody ever tells you that getting old starts at 22. Yeah. That's when my back and my knees started going on me. And I just turned 26. And you know what 26 has done to me? What? Every pound that I gain goes to my jaw. <laughs> and I don't fucking know why. I, like, had this realization. That, like, like that my chin didn't used to do this. Right. It didn't used to do that. Mm-hmm. It's so upsetting to me <laughs> all the time. Like literally I was driving with Kat the other day. We went we went to the the Hello Kitty Cafe food truck right. in Jacksonville. Line. Yeah, we went to the Hello Kitty Cafe food truck line mm-hmm. in Jacksonville. It was a 4-hour line. We did not get to the truck. Um fucking ridiculous, yeah. Um but like we're driving and the way she positions her side view mirrors, I can like see myself mm-hmm. in it in the car. And like I keep looking over there, and I'm like, my fucking chin, man, <laughs> come on. Yeah. From when I was in high school, everybody always made fun of me because I was so skinny. Uh huh. You know, they could put you know their pinky and thumb around my wrist. That's how I, skinny I was. See, the thing is, I'm gaining weight, but my wrists are still so dainty. <laughs> but <laughs> so even when I worked at Wendy's, you know, I was standing for eight hours a day. So it didn't uh-huh. matter what I ate. I was burning it off. So I right. was working doubles and triples and just whatever that could pour in my mouth. And then I got an office job uh-huh. where I sat for eight hours a day and yep. I was still eating the doubles and the triples. <laughs> and I have not looked back. I'm trying. Yeah. But all right. So we're just going to jump right into this. I've j- I'm just big. Yeah. Well, I just been big and I'm going to be big. And that's just the end of it. See, you know? it's like you piss me off though Ruben because Bitch, like fuck, what <laughs> you wear it so fucking well like listen I to don't me understand right now it's beyond <laughs> Joshua my... I'm literally in therapy and I have literally spent the last four months avoiding this topic of conversation <laughs> okay with my therapist. All right, fuck it then fuck it so then. yeah I'm sorry yeah <laughs> I might wear it well I don't think that <laughs> uh, okay I've, I'll I'll drop it but <laughs> You look great, Ruben. I just want you to know, person well, to person, friend to friend, what one, are we talking one half about of a whole today? idiot to another half so. of a whole idiot, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us is the better half of the idiot, <laughs> no. by the way. We're just one 
Very, very mediocre idiot. <laughs> there right. is no better half in, in this just situation. Two regular halves. So, welcome everybody to Two Towns Over Campfire Tales. We're uh, like Mordecai and Rigby from regular show. <laughs> <laughs> you know who we are. Uh, nobody knows what we're talking about today. But no. Me, which... The trouble I seen? Yes. Okay. I just know or that you have, you have really built it up yes like you sent a whole text message my th- oh shit you guys i'm a promo my therapist fucking podcast oh. oh yeah that's right your therapist has a podcast if you guys want to hear what my therapist sounds like she's a real smart lady and her part uh her and her partner um i want to say tanya but i'm gonna double check that so it's rise to being and it is christy and tara not, not tara. tanya and they're um, it's basically like sort of a, it's not necessarily a self-help podcast, but it's like a podcast about therapy and about self-improvement and stuff. And it's pretty good. It's an advice Fucking show rad. for the modern era. That was my brother. No, I got it. I was just trying to think of a way to one-up it, and I couldn't. (laughs) So uh, you win this time. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, go listen to my fucking therapist talk at you about stuff. She's helped me. She might help you. Yeah. And I pay, and you don't need to for that. As I go back to this other job, which I no longer can refer to anymore because I'm going to be actively working. Although the fact that you say that you can't refer to it anymore, but you have referred to it before. All right, fuck it. I used to work for... Cricket Wireless and Cricket Wireless was great, but the authorized retailer that I worked for fucking sucked. Um, at least in my district. I uh, uh, would like to make it known that Josh's opinions are currently <laughs> his own and not the views of Two Towns Over the <laughs> Podcast or any of the <laughs> views expressed on this show are not be. Whatever the, the fucking thing is of Odd the... Man Out Productions yes, or its subsidiaries. Yeah. Okay. Nobody in this room knows what Don I see. Yes, is yeah. what Don is about to talk to us about, but he has built it up in in a text message I'm, saying that I'm he had not say, laughed this yes. hard. And since... it's it's literally no joke. I don't think I've come across the story of a feud like this <gasps> since this we not, did. Is this the Hatfields and the McCoys? No. It's we, a feud? It's a feud. I love a good feud. Let's pick sides. got a feud. No. Today, uh, and it's the funniest episode I have ever come across that deals with the potential uh, assassination attempt on Vice, or President Barack Obama. Obama. Sorry. Obama. Barack Obama. Barack Obama. Barack Obama. So, Fuck. as we well know, he sent the immigrants to vaccinate your kids. Yes. There you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. on that note, we're just going to jump right in. I'm so excited. I love a good feud. I can't wait to pick a side. So I'm tu- with the horses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going down to Tupelo, Mississippi. Oh, This whole great. thing takes place in Tupelo, Mississippi. Nah, I'm not on either of their sides anymore. Well, hold on. You may, you don't know. So Tupelo, Mississippi <laughs> is known mainly as the birthplace of Elvis Presley. But in 2013, it became ground zero in an attempt to assassinate President Barack Obama. But more importantly than that... Fucking wild. But more in- importantly than the attempt on the sitting president's life, at least as far as our show is concerned, is the story behind the attempt. A story that rivals the Highgate Cemetery and the hatred between those involved. It is a story that has so much to offer. An Elvis impersonator slash janitor slash conspiracy theorist. Pete? 
Oh my God! Hold on, hold on. All he needs now is certified demonologist, and he's got <laughs> everything going for him. <laughs> Severed body parts kept in a refrigerator at the hospital, and a blues band frontman slash martial artist, martial arts teacher slash Mensa member slash failed political candidate, and indicted child molester. <laughs> No! Was that all one person? One person. Not the the Elvis impersonator slash janitor is one person. The other stuff, the Mensa slash martial arts slash, that's all one other person. Is this a story about fucking Jeffrey Epstein? No. Okay, once again, gonna gonna walk it back. Not on either of their sides. (laughs) So Nah, I'm on the Elvis impersonator (laughs) side for sure. This is this story is the biggest crime out of Tupelo since Machine Gun Kelly, not the rapper. Machine Gun Kelly robbed a local bank. That is in not a rapper. I'm gonna need you to run that back. Rapper, yeah. okay. Machine Gun out. Kelly, the person. Yeah, it's a, a the modern one. I'm talking about dude. the more interesting Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, not yeah. the shitty blonde one. Yeah, or now his hair's pink. I think. Fuck uh, him. Fuck whatever color. His <laughs> so hair yeah, is. the biggest crime since Machine Gun Kelly robbed a local bank in 1932. According to one local resident, Machine Guns Kelly. Machine Gun Kelly's uh, grandfather, Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly Sr. <laughs> so according to one local resident, uh, Tupelo is famous for Elvis, and we'd like to keep it that way. <laughs> Damn. It's Imagine if our podcast blew up. <laughs> Someone from Fernandina was like, uh, our, our town is famous for shrimp, and we'd like to keep it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking amazing. <laughs> so much... going to put up a sign that says, home of two towns over. <laughs> so much like any recipe, whether for a cake or disaster, it's best to know the ingredients before we start mixing, and the ingredients for this story are two men. That was a great metaphor, Don. Thank you. Kevin Curtis and Everett Dutchkey. I still don't know if we're mixing a cake or disaster. Oh, it's disaster. So Kevin Curtis's life started out on an upbeat, on an There's, upbeat note, two men could have some cake. You feel me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, when he became a <laughs> child, our Mothman episode. <laughs> <laughs> His life started out on an upbeat when he became a child prodigy on the Elvis impersonator circuit. Nope. Yeah, that's not real. Yeah, it is a child prodigy. I'm I'm gonna go places and introduce myself <laughs> as just I'm a prodigy. Oh, a prodigy of what? Mm, don't worry about it. <laughs> so um, his mother drove Fuck. him to Memphis, Tennessee one day to have an Elvis suit made for him by Elvis's official suit maker. Oh, my God. And an Elvis belt made by his Elvis's official belt maker. I feel about this the way I feel about beauty pageants for kids. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Bad. Mm. Awful. The bill added up to over $3,800, so she took out a bank loan to cover the cost. Yo, that is not as much as I actually yeah. would think. So um, his mother, Eloise, briefly met Elvis after a performance at the Louisiana Hayride in 1954. <laughs> Every line of this already is so you, At this point, Don, I don't think you're real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to dissociate so hard by the end of this. And supposedly, decades later, in in his years of decline, Elvis would call her up from time to time, she says, to pray with her over the phone. Oh, really? (laughs) So, um, in a 1999 interview with the Daily Journal, Curtis said, I used to say, I'm going to grow up and be just like Elvis and buy my mom a mansion. That was my goal from age six. By the way, I'm going to go ahead and say that Kevin Curtis, he has two first names, Uh and I do bounce back and forth 
because it gets so boring writing the same name over and over again. Fair. So if I say Kevin or Curtis, you know who I'm talking about. No, you know, we, we call him KC as the third one. There the, you go. The, the courteous Kevin? Yes. Old KC. So during his teen years, he got married to a girl after a motorcycle accident, <laughs> according to Kevin, ripped her face off. <laughs> KC. Conky. Conk. <laughs> Um, but they divorced shortly thereafter. He spent mo- so motorcycle accident ripped her face off. Right. So he married her, and then they got divorced. Right. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to go back to that because yeah. again, every line of this. <laughs> <laughs> I've already dissociated. I'm over here thinking about Conky Kong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's every line is so weird that I didn't even skip a beat when you first said motorcycle accident ripped her face off. Right. No, not at all. I- so. Um, For what? Road rash or? Yeah, must be. He spent his early 20s living in a car and eating out of a garbage can in Chicago. But things improved for him when he reached his late 20s uh, and got remarried. He started a cleaning business called The Cleaning Crew. He also returned to his first love, impersonating Elvis. Good. (laughs) Um, He started a musical team with his older brother, Jack. They called themselves Double Trouble and performed as both young and old Elvis. I actually think that that is a great act. <laughs> they build themselves as the first Sorry. fraternal. The, I have learned a thing about you that has just made me <laughs> question I, everything I know about listen, you. Listen, when you are on the Elvis impersonation circuit, you have to find a way to differentiate yourself. And doing a dual performance as young and old Elvis... That's good shit. Yeah. They built themselves. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> they built themselves as the first fraternal Elvis act ever. Good for them. <laughs> so things are going well for Kevin, but we wouldn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are for sure. But we wouldn't be talking about him if things had stayed that way. Kevin and Jack. <laughs> Kevin's life took a drastic turn on December 17th, 1999. Kevin's company, the cleaning crew... He didn't party, I guess. Yeah. uh, Had received a contract buffing the floors at the North Mississippi Medical Center in Tupelo. Mississippi? Mississippi. 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 Yeah, Mississippi. M-I, crooked letter, crooked letter I. Crooked letter, crooked letter I. Hump back, hump back I. Thank you so much. I could not remember what it was. I was keeping my mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) So on that fateful night... Y'all, the first time... Okay, I I have lived in the Deep South my whole life. So I've known that for my whole life. I still remember the first time my coach in uh, elementary school, his name was Coach Battle. Um, Oh, yeah, I think you you told me a story about Coach Battle before. He said it just like I just said it, (laughs) and I was so confused. (laughs) I did not know... What the hell he was talking about? And if I had had cuss words in my vocabulary at the time, I would have been like, nigga, what? (laughs) But I didn't. So that's the day I learned that the other rhyme of how to spell it, which is just using the letters SS and PP, it's I fucking didn't know people could just call it a shape. Yeah. I, I was like seven. Yeah. Way too old <laughs> to not get that. The energy in this room is always better when we record late at night like this. Mm-hmm. We, we got to just start doing this. 
But the problem is we still got to record two episodes. And I, anyways, so uh, we don't have to do, not tonight, but yeah. You know. yeah, yeah so yeah. on that fateful night of December 17th, 1999, Kevin had been pulled off his regular post to clean out a clogged blood sump in the hospital morgue. Yay. Yay. Blood sump? Yeah. Sump. The thing yeah. that, the, the, basically the, the drain where the blood from the uh, morgue. Uh, not the in. pump, yeah. the sump. So he recalls. Also, every time you say Kevin, because I have the letters KC in my head, I think Costner. <laughs> so so visually, there you go. As you no, I don't even know what story. I know what Kevin Costner looks like. I can't remember right now. So I'm just seeing the the words, the, the words Kevin, Kevin Costner, Costner in right. my mind every time you say Kevin. So he recalls, I'm slipping and sliding blood and guts. After three hours, I'm dehydrated, sweating, burning up. I gotta have something to drink. Craving and my pops. <laughs> Craving a Dr. Pepper, Kevin notices what appears to be a normal refrigerator. Speaking of. What? Yeah. This I, is the genuine sound of actual Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah, that's not even the off-brand. Yeah. You, you got the real shit. No yeah. Dr. Thunder Mountain or whatever No, No Thunder Craters to yeah. me. So. Um, I, just, I love that we went from slipping and sliding yeah. in blood and guts. Yeah. To, to craving a Dr. Pepper. I could use a Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Fuck, I could use that spicy cherry soda. <laughs> 23 herbs and yeah. spices or whatever their shit Fucking is. 23 just says authentic yeah. blend of 23 flavors. Yeah. So craving a Dr. Pepper, Kevin notices what appears to be a normal refrigerator. Hoping for a respite from his thirst, he opened the cooler and was met with an image that would haunt him for the rest of his life and sent his world it's, spiraling out of control. You said it in the beginning of the episode. This is the amputee cooler, yes. ain't it? Curtis continued, Great. the first thing I saw was an arm wrapped in plastic with a barcode and a leg wrapped in plastic. The whole bottom portion of the refrigerator was legs, arms, feet, hands, and eyes, and a brain. But I'm going to just tell y'all out there, if you work in a hospital, fuck, it's, wait, okay, go ahead, do not open. Fucking, if you work in a hospital, don't open any refrigeration device unless it is in a room that you have double-checked says break room on the fucking door. Oh, yeah. In the upper compartment, Kevin says, was the severed head of a man I had seen alive in the ER a couple of nights before. No, Oof. it wasn't. The following day, Curtis says, security guards summoned him to the office of Jeff Barber, then the hospital's CEO. In the office, which looked to him like something befitting the President of the United States, Kevin says he was met by the CEO and five guys in suits. Was a- that foreshadowing uh, maybe and a stack <laughs> of prepared documents for curtis to sign I sh- bear in mind here take take looked like it must have been the office of the president of the united states with a grain of salt because this man is an elvis impersonator that works mm-hmm. in a morgue in mississippi who was yeah. homeless for a significant portion of his life <laughs> yeah um kevin of stated- his early life that's important yeah Kevin stated that the document said, it said, I, Paul K. Curtis, agree that on December the 17th, I was in an area of the hospital I was not authorized to be in, and I'm going to be suspended without pay while this matter is being investigated. Well, I stood up. I said, that's a lie, and I'm not signing that. This has something to do with those body parts I found. Okay, hold on real quick. You mentioned before his name is kevin curtis right he has two first names you said okay three yeah he paul. has three <laughs> yeah. first names but what is, that is a what did you sure say? sign paul, of a psychopath paul kevin curtis i'm not story. on his side anymore no <laughs> 
No, if you have to I be wasn't first really names, on any side a murderer. Ever, but like he's a serial killer. He so, put that head there, forgot, and scared himself. <laughs> for sure. So he continued, they yanked up the phone, dialed four digits. Six security guards grabbed me, tackled me, handcuffed me, and walked me across the street and said, you are hereby banned for life from the North Mississippi Medical Center. They Actually, they can't ban you from a medical center. If nope. you need medical well, treatment, you can be in there regardless of what the fuck they say to you. Now, Curtis would agree that body parts are not such a strange sight in a morgue. But the reaction of the administration and his firing made him suspicious. Real quick, remind me. What year? 99. This is 1999. Yes. Yeah, because he didn't party like it was... Yeah. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. It was the firing that made him suspicious. He stated, it was the immediate reaction of an ant bed being stirred up. They never tried to justify it. Oh, Kevin, it's just research. And it was this reaction that led him to the most obvious of conclusions. The hospital participating in black market organ harvesting. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if every fucking hospital wasn't <laughs> doing that. Uh, to some extent or another, it probably has happened at the hospital you were born at. Oh, I was born at Memorial and Jacks. It's definitely happened at the hospital at, I was um, born at. St. Vincent's and Jacks? No? Yeah. Maybe? I don't know. I might be wrong. <laughs> I did a squeak. <laughs> so I this know. I'll ask my mommy. So this started Kevin's... Mommies always know. Because yeah. they remember the worst day of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> so this started Kevin's second coming as a crusader for the truth. Oh my god. <laughs> is that self-described? He's okay. Okay, listen. He may be a serial killer, a psycho and a murderer, but I'm back on his side. <laughs> <laughs> so finding out what was really happening became his all-consuming obsession. An obsession that led to a multitude of problems in Co- his personal what? life. Born again. Say it again. Ke- this his started second Kevin's second coming. coming, so to speak, as a crusader for the truth. A crusader for the truth. <laughs> Because you know what's always good? Crusades and a second coming. <laughs> so after this, he was fired from multiple jobs. At one performance of Double Trouble with his brother, he began to rant to the audience about the conspiracy of the North Mississippi Medical Center's illegal practices, which pretty much ended all future bookings for him and his brother. What? No way. <laughs> so he be- I'm literally... With such a good act. <laughs> I, not only that, but he just made it better. it's definitely a different audience now if for sure this was like after the internet had taken over everything let him go to a improv comedy show even in the 90s oh yeah (laughs) he fucking kills he slays and and then kev paul kevin curtis instead of becoming a serial killer the only other thing people with three first names can be is a stand-up comic yeah (laughs) so um uh, he began a string of arrests for cyber stalking, public intoxication, and assault that added up to, in Kevin's estimate, 22 arrests in 13 years. His Wow. He, yeah. His family life also began to suffer after multiple events occurred, including... He's fucking thuggish ruggish, you guys. <laughs> right. Including his car exploding and his house burning down. Cool. All of which Kevin chalked up to the evil cabal associated with the hospital. Yeah. His wife, course. Laura, 
eventually filed for divorce due to Kevin's extreme Which, beliefs. again, he fully hallucinated that head. <laughs> they fully fired him because he was fucking ranting at patients. You know it. <laughs> oh, Look yeah. into your heart, Jeff Fafa. You know this to be true. <laughs> Uh, this is the last time I'll ever hear a Jeff Dunham reference yeah. on this show. <laughs> not if I can think of another one, bud. <laughs> so, um, not uh, not if I can think of another one that isn't no. incredibly racist. Okay, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, please. So his wife, Laura, eventually filed for divorce due to Kevin's extreme beliefs and even went on to tell one reporter that the house fire was their fault and the car exploded due to a faulty battery. She stated that all he would talk about was the hospital and the body parts, adding that he didn't even laugh anymore. Now That's sinister and sad. Now, none of this did anything to stop Kevin's search for the truth. What? In, no way. In fact, just the opposite happened, and a revitalized <laughs> Kevin went full Alex Jones. Oh, no. Great. He created three MySpace accounts that he would use to spread Jesus. his word. Yeah, it's MySpace era. Fuck. Yeah. I forgot about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ending every missive with, I'm KC, and I approve this message. No, he did yes, not. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I was ahead of it. Yeah, you were. <laughs> you joshed the past. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He even, Look at me go. He even, <laughs> <laughs> that was the perfect delivery. <laughs> <laughs> he even drafted a novel and a screenplay called Missing Pieces, in which a janitor Fuck. named Keith Carter discovers the dark secrets of the hospital refrigerator. So Kevin Costner oh three God. times removed now. <laughs> Holy shit. Now, unfortunately, no publishers or movie studios wanted to have anything to do with that. Probably because it was incredibly poorly written. Probably. (laughs) Nah, it couldn't have been. It's such a good concept, too. Truly, actually. That's a fine concept. You could do something with that. Many people tried to dissuade Kevin and get him to come back to reality, but he would not give up the fight, stating... Kevin, 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 snap back to reality. Oops, (laughs) there goes gravity. So he would not. That was that was his MySpace song. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so he um, he stated they ruined my career, burned down my house, killed my dogs. My no, cat, they my didn't. Rabbit. Why do you have so many pets? <laughs> <laughs> they blew up my car, destroyed my marriage, had me arrested twenty two times, and you want me to quit? I will keep on fighting until Jesus Christ decides it's time for me to go. All right. That's my new name, Blam. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but in 2006, because he got one letter up on you, huh? Yeah. Yep. So we're talking JC seven Revan. years now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <clears throat> in 2006, so seven years he's been going on about this. Kevin's quest seemed to have found hope. Man, if he had been, if he had been when the internet, man, right, he would have made so much fucking money. I would for sure like hate watch his YouTube content. Oh, dude, it would be like watching Duck Dynasty near the end. <laughs> right. Do you know how many fucking Flat Earth videos I oh, watched yeah. when we did that episode? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. So Kevin's quest seemed to find Prime hope in the form of a man named Everett Dutchkey. Everett, um, always, Everett. always an evil name. Yeah. Uh, a man who ran an independent newspaper. I have known a man named Everett literally my whole life. He was the father of my mom's best friend, Athena. Mm. Ooh, good name. Yeah. So Kevin, Everett, bad name, though. Everett, I actually like the name Everett, mm, but only for old men. Yeah. If you are young and named Everett, you have to be five. 
only. No one, two, three, four, no six, no seven, mm-hmm. just five or 75. Right. And up. Mm-hmm. So on the front page of Dutch Key's paper, it said, I will print any story in Northeast Mississippi, no matter how big, small, or controversial. If the Daily Journal, which was the Tupelo newspaper, will not tell your story, I will. I, mm. I see, but like his job was already being done by 4chan at that point, I think. so. In 2006? Oh. Mm. Yeah, probably. I think, I think it was in its early stages. <clears throat> so Dutch Key was an enigma to the people of Tupelo, Mississippi. His resume was broad and eclectic. Among his occupations and skills, Dutch Key was an insurance salesman, broadcaster, political hopeful, taekwondo instructor, member of Mensa. Are we talking about the goddamn Tiger King right now? <laughs> oh, my God. No. Also, uh, yes, 4chan started in 2003, probably had a fair amount of popularity by 2006. Oh, it probably had a fair amount of neo-Nazis on it by 2006. Oh, yeah. He was also a speedy solver of the Rubik's Cube and an aspiring <laughs> rock and roll frontman. Fuck, I love, like, just ridiculously interesting just say anything. people like this. Yeah. Just say anything. So according to an article <laughs> in GQ magazine. You know what you would love? I'll, I'll send you a link. Heard. According to an article in GQ magazine, he was born in Louisville, Kentucky in 1971. He spent his early years in Texas. When he was 17, his older brother shot himself, and his father, Linus Dutchke, told the Washington Post that was probably the event that caused him to learn how to hate. In an am- Jesus. In an amazing case of serendipity, the insurance company that Dutchkey worked at also employed Kevin Curtis's ex-wife, Laura, who was the office's team manager at the time. I'm sure she was very pleased that they were taking on his story. <laughs> so she remembers Dutchkey as follows. They would call him an idiot. They would call him stupid, which he wasn't. He flashed his Mensa card compulsively, which irritated people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're going to have to back up because I fully missed when we switched to who we what happened. Well, no. When we were talking about the Rubik's Cube solver, that was Kevin or uh, Everett Dutchkey. Right. Because we talked about Everett. Okay. I'm sorry. I got I fucking what even just happened. Wow. (laughs) Also, she recalled he dressed funny. He'd wear a pinstripe suit. And he would wear uh, the same suit all the time. It if was anyone just... regularly feels the need to flash their Mensa card, Mensa should send a death squad to <laughs> take the card back. Um, so he would wear the same suit all the time. He was just a different character. He also wore fancy shoes whose fanciness was diminished, Laura noticed, by a broken shoestring. Oof. She asked him about it, and he said he couldn't find another shoestring. So I told him, you know... I got that same shoestring in my closet, and so the next week, I bring him the shoestring, and it just floored him, he said. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. Because everyone else in the office made fun of him because he looks because he's odd, a friendship began. Laura took Dutchkey into her Oof. division, and he flourished there, becoming the best closer on her team. <clears throat> now, despite Laura's glowing portrait, <clears throat> Everett's history is scattered with multiple instances. That was Laura. Yes, Kevin Just, Curtis's ex-wife. His that so so her description of Everett was that. Yes. Okay. What <laughs> was he actually like? Well, we're, uh, despite Laura's glowing portrait, Everett's history is scattered with multiple instances that suggest that he had a problem with boundaries. One martial arts studio suspected him of stealing and subsequently fired him. At another studio, it was suspected that he was having an affair with the married mother of one of the students. 
a claim that he denied despite the fact that he later married that woman and divorced her six months later. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Damn. <laughs> so even Laura said that he was quite flirtatious with her and texted her frequently. Now, Everett denied that uh, with the simple statement, she's easy to make friends with. If you're the right person, I'm easy to make friends with, too. This was back when texting took effort, too. Yeah. You mm -hmm. had to, like, hit the same button four times exactly. to get Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. And if, if you fucked up and, like, hit it one time too many, you had to go all the way back mm -hmm. around. Yeah, but The before times. Yes. So let's jump back into the meeting of our two protagonists. Curtis emailed Dutchkey about his hospital discovery, hoping that Dutchkey would print it in his newspaper. One day, Kevin overheard Laura discussing an upcoming insurance luncheon and decided to introduce himself to this hopeful publisher. Kevin remembers it this way. I walk over to Dutchkey and I say, hi, I'm Kevin Curtis. Are, are we going to get <clears throat> Dutchkey's remembrance of it, too? Uh, I honestly don't remember. You're switching back and forth a lot. and I'm, I know. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'll just have to listen to this one again or not. <laughs> so Kevin remembers. Uh, yeah, I said, hi, I'm Curtis. And I reach out to shake his hand. I say, did you get my phone call, my message? I thought you'd print any story, no matter how controversial. Dutchkey explained that at that moment he was mounting a campaign for state legislature and that printing anything in the local about the local hospital would ruin his chances. Kevin continued, I said, oh, so you're a liar. Your paper says you'll print any story, no matter how big or controversial. I got a story, so are you going to interview me? So Laura happened to be there whenever this meeting took place, and she remembered the meeting by saying that Dutchkey was sweating and shaking. She begged Kevin to leave Dutchkey alone and after Kevin left, Dutchkey turned to her and said, I never want to see that man again. The next time I saw him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he would see that man again this very meeting, soon. Well, this meeting would kick off a seven-year feud between the two men. That? Yes. What yep. a piece of shit. <laughs> One that would lead to a dark conspiracy of its own that would turn out to be more dangerous than anything Kevin could have imagined. Oh, great. Good. Oh, man. So not long after their meeting, Dutchkey began his campaign for the state legislature, running against incumbent Democrat Steve Holland. So already, you know, he's not a good man. He's a Republican. Just well. <laughs> what year is this again? Uh, 2008. Or 2006. Oh. Mm -hmm. So in a strategy. We're into Bush era. So in a strategy that has become all, sadly, all no, too we're familiar. In Bush era. We're, we're in Bush. Yeah, yeah. 2008 the is end Obama. Of Bush yeah. era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point one or 1.0 or whatever the fuck. So in a strategy that has sadly become all too familiar in the past 16 years since his run, Dutchkey's plan amounted to basically insult your opponent. His favorite insult was to compare him to Boss Hogg from the Dukes of Hazard. Holland, his uh, opponent, recalled, I had never stood eyeball to eyeball, <clears throat> eyeball to eyeball, or dick to dick with the man, but for some reason, he just hated the hell out of me. Eyeball to eyeball, dick to dick, <laughs> dust to dust. <laughs> he called me everything. Ashes to ashes. Yes. He called me everything from gay to communist, everything but a child of God. I mean, he had no campaign or agenda except to cut my nuts out. Man, that's like, that's the best thing you can be in the leftist community. All those things. <laughs> but you got to get your ass up early and go to bed late to beat my ass. 
I held this seat for 30 years. I can absolutely make love to a bull moose on the steps of the Lee County Courthouse and garner more than 5% of the vote. That (laughs) is not something anybody but Teddy Roosevelt could do. (laughs) No. In the end, Dutch Key lost 27 to 68%. What? Yeah. So it was after his loss that his feud with Curtis took on a new life. Their fight took main, took place mainly on social media. According, I shall kill this man. <laughs> According to Dutchkey, Curtis created Facebook accounts consisting of photos and videos taken from Dutchkey's and his wife's Facebook pages, including footage of his stepdaughter bathing the family pet. He even wrote his own caption for the videos, Dutchkey said. I don't know why that is as creepy as it is. No, it's pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah, he would write his own captions. Bath time for Pogo. Well, he don't know Pogo and he don't know the girls. Crazily enough, Curtis accused... Why is everyone in the story talking like it's the 50s? Because it's Mississippi in 2006. It pretty much is the 60s. I forgot. I forgot. (laughs) So, uh, crazily enough, Curtis accused Dutchkey of stalking him. Mm. No way! (laughs) stating that Everett was stalking him by using surveillance software to spy on Curtis's MySpace pages. So unhinged. That was just the NSA, friend. (laughs) A claim that Everett denied. So Curtis decided to lay a trap by posting a fake Mensa certificate in in his name on his MySpace page. Within hours, Everett sent Curtis the following email. Kevin, I have put up with your lies silently for a long time. But this one I cannot abide. I am an officer in Mensa, Kevin. Of this, I am certain you are aware. <laughs> what you were not aware of is that we keep very good records of who is and who is not a Mensa member. Oh, my God. There is one person. This man is a prick. Like, <laughs> such a little dick. The opposite of big dick energy, micro penis energy. Yeah. Like, uh, there is one person named Kevin Curtis from New York. If he Min- was in a cartoon, he would be talking like this. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely like like this the entire time. Yeah, yeah. There is one person named Kevin Curtis from New York <laughs> and one named Paul <laughs> Curtis from Kentucky. I know you are not either of them. I am giving you one day to remove your fraudulent claims from your website. By the way, Kevin, you cannot be both genius and retarded at the same time. Your claim of being a gigging musician is one thing. Claiming to be playing at the Montgomery Theater when D.L. Hughley was there and claiming to be on tour with Carrie Underwood are harmless lies that everyone simply laughs at you for. What a snot-nosed brat. Right. But, but this claim is You're no laughing shouting matter. at a crazy man. <laughs> this, is a serious, this is serious fraud. One day is all you have, Kevin. Just one day. More? One day more. <laughs> Thank you. Now, it's funny to note that according to Mensa, they do not have officers. Nice. Only members. Cool. So take Everett's word with a grain of salt. Man, they really got to up the bar on Mensa membership. (laughs) Nevertheless, Curtis did not remove the certificate. So the next missive from Everett was an invitation to his Taekwondo studio to settle it man to man. I'm sorry. I I have to harp on this real quick because he said, and I'm... Repeating a quote here, don't come for me. You cannot be both retarded and a genius yeah. at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, I'm just going to get this out of the way real quick. 
don't don't say that it was 2006 i that we weren't we weren't really harping on that yet but like don't uh second of all minsa doesn't claim to be a genius club it's just a club for people with really high iq right which which uh, is pretty much done away with caring about iq at this point too because we could get into it but the whole way they used to calculate iq is like many things in this country uh rooted in racist and classist idealisms so like it's basically were you good at taking tests that were designed for upper class white kids right and most of all, the thing that I really wanted to harp on here is, yeah, you totally actually can be both of those things at the same time. Most people that society as a whole regard as geniuses were on the autism spectrum. Right. Like a stupid percentage. An insanely large percentage. You almost have to be autistic to be able to focus on something hard enough to be an actual genius at it. It's sorry, go on. There are people in my life who would come for me if I didn't harp on this. So Dutchkey explained later, uh, hand to hand showdowns are common among martial artists. That's just part of the code. This kind of thing happens uh-huh. all the time. Is this Everett again? Yes. Yeah. If that voice is for sure. Everett up yeah. and down. So Curtis stated on his MySpace page that he showed up at Everett's school but that Everett was already gone, a claim that Everett, of course, denied and said that it was Curtis that never showed up. Now, uh, you know what's weird is I do believe Everett more. Oh, no, me he's too. He's just a shitty fucking dude. Yeah, he's a total asshole, completely insecure and hardcore projecting. Wow. But at the same time... uh Diet uh, Alex. If this Jones was 2006, is... we would have called you a pussy. Right. <coughs> it means pusillanimous. It's actually not misogynistic. No, it's yeah, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, though. So it means two things. You see. <laughs> it means two things. You see. So Curtis also accused Everett of calling up venues that Curtis was set to perform at and telling them not to hire Curtis, stating that he was dangerous. See, that's just petty. Yeah. When asked, but pretty funny, yeah. I'll, be, I'll be honest. When asked why he supposes Everett Dutchkey so disliked him, Curtis simply said, I'm dying to know. Jealousy of his musical talents was his best guess. <laughs> when the GQ interviewer asked Everett the same Good question. Lord, even by his own account this of is, their meeting. This is literally, I'm glad you said dick, to, or he said dick to dick earlier, because this is literally big dick, the biggest dick energy versus the littlest dick energy. It's like an unstoppable dick meets an immovable dick. Like <laughs> Put that on a shirt. So when the GQ interviewer asked Everett the same question, he got pretty much, he got pretty much the same answer. He always, he always tried to be me. Dutchkey said, citing his and Curtis's shared musical aspirations and interest in martial arts. Wow. So Dutchkey had tried to make a name for himself. with. They're a- both taking so many drugs, <laughs> for certain. No, I think the problem is that they're not. <laughs> they're definitely not smoking pot. They are way too high strung. It's not pot. I no. mean, like, the kind that make you be psychotic. <laughs> See, they need the kind that make you not. I know, I know. I, you know what? I'll take it back. Uh, uh, little dick energy is on steroids. They're ineffectual. Big dick energy is on being actually a crazy person. Yeah. So, 
So if you count that as drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so Dutchkey tried to make a name for himself with a blues act he called Dusty and the Robo Drum. That's a dope indie a band name, name, though. That's a well, good name. The Robo Drum was unbeloved in the local music scene. Oh, it's, yeah. I'm sure. He was probably really bad. Uh-huh. Good name, though. Brock Robbins, the owner of the Boondocks Grill, whose, Brock Robbins. <laughs> whose open mic night Dutchkey used to frequent, stated it was horrible. Every time he got up there, the entire bar just flooded outside. My open mic mic was his first act of terrorism. He killed it. So... <laughs> The jacket of a demo CD for the Robodrum characterized the music as progressive guitar funk funktronica for smart people. Oh my fucking god. They invented math rock. <coughs> Anything that is described as for smart people is absolutely not. <laughs> and not the algorithm stuff. I mean actual rock for mathematicians. <laughs> So on the demo is the song Too Young with the number two. Too Good. Young. Very hip. Uh, very 2000s. This is a chilling lament of a man evidently in love with a girl below the age of consent. Gross. Oh. With lyrics like, you were too young. I should have known better. It's just that baby face of yours. One look at your eyes and I'm on fire. Gross. Wow. <laughs> now this song... Almost as bad as the lyrics to My Sharona. <laughs> so this song seems to presage a multitude of disturbing events in the life of Everett Dutchkey. Events unrelated to our story, but interesting nonetheless. Events that the courts in Tupelo, Mississippi are still trying to sort out. Now, that was in 2013 when this article was written. In the fall of 2012, according to sworn testimony... School-age girls walking near Dutchkey's home were occasionally dazzled by the green beam of a laser pointer. Oh, my fucking God. Glancing about for its source, the girls would spy Everett Dutchkey standing in a window, nude. Wow. Yeah. That is the weirdest fetish I've ever heard, I uh, think. Nope, nope, nope. He wants to flash, but he definitely needs to get their attention, so he's using the laser pointer. <gasps> ah, okay. I understand now. So, it is... I understand it. Uh, that's yeah. Yikes! This is the the sh- what, little dick this or big is, dick? Uh, I don't know who you were considering little. Uh, little dick is the is the Dutch key guy. The guy that was Dutch key. Okay, because big dick energy just means you're psychotic and you think you have the biggest dick ever. Yeah, and that is the exact attitude that uh, PKC has right now. Who's PKC? <laughs> Paul Kevin. Oh, okay, Sorry. Costner. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the neighbors recalled the incident vividly. You see there in the back of the place, said the grandfather of one of the plaintiffs. He pointed down the block at Dutchkey's home. That's where he done all his exposure through the window. When them oh window God. shades were up, you knew something was fixing to go on. Fuck's sake. <laughs> So asked by the reporter, you sounded kind of like an old version of the dog at the end of the Aristocats. I've oh never my seen god, the Aristocats! Really? It's, you would love it. It's the I forget the guy's name. He was also the sheriff of Nottingham in uh, Oh Minutes. No, in Robin Hood, the the Disney Robin Hood. Oh, the yeah. with yeah. the fox and the yeah yeah yeah. That he one. was the sheriff. He had that voice. With the him. one that created a yeah. generation of furries. Go on. Yeah, he was. He was also on um, Green Acres. I forget. 
But yeah, it's the place to be. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> you would love it. It's the music is really good. Well, I have Disney Plus. But anyway, he he. It's just a thing. He goes like that in the kind of in that voice. He's like, yeah. I'm the leader. I'm the, uh, I'm I'm the say when we're done. The, yeah. All right. This that we're done. Pitchy. This breathy. is what we're gonna do now. Yeah, he's, a, yeah. he's like a bloodhound. It's very funny. So asked by the the GQ reporter about the exposure charge, Dusky replied, "I would much rather you not even go there." But when pressed, he stated that if anyone had been victimized, it was himself. Perse- oh, naturally. Persecuted by neighbors peeping unbiden into his windows for years. You used a fucking laser pointer, dude. Come on. <laughs> so the courts were not convinced by Dutchke's claims. What? No way. In January of 2013, he was sentenced to 90 days in jail for indecent exposure in order to pay a fine of $364. Damn, that is... A slap on the wrist. That's not even a slap on the wrist. No sooner had he filed his appeal than he was picked up again on graver charges of fondling minors. He had at his dojo, the charges ran, and properly touched three girls under the age of 16. Gross. The police took him into custody in lieu of a $1 million bond. When Laura Curtis heard the news, she asked Kevin, who was elated, or elated, did you frame him? And he said, no, but I wish I had. <laughs> okay. You know what? That's the only response to a question like that that I actually believe. Yeah, right. <laughs> because exactly. that's like, no, I didn't. But fuck, if I'd have thought about it, I would have. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like if some like if you leave a job and you find out that it like got robbed and they're like, did you have anything to do with it? And be like, no, but I'm glad it happened. <laughs> yeah. Fuck them. (laughs) So Curtis began bombarding his Facebook page with articles about the trial, emailing the prosecutors, and leaving comments of See You in Court on Everett's YouTube channel. (laughs) On February 21st, Everett's (gasps) attorneys... Hold on, hold on, hold on. We can't gloss over that. You said on his YouTube channel? Does that still exist? I don't know. I didn't didn't get around to looking. It was like late in the morning when I was writing this. How do you spell his last name? Uh, D-U-T-S-C-H-K-E. It doesn't happen to show his uh, his YouTube name anywhere, does it? No. Dusty TKD, September 8th, 2008? Maybe. Is it like a musical thing? That's a dog named Pogo. Y'all, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. a Mensa member. That's a Mensa member. Woo! Fucking whole... We are going to die. <laughs> this This society is doomed. So, All of these videos, by the way, are less than a thousand views. I'm not surprised. What? Uh, no way. George Bush hates white people is the title of one of his videos, and I'm just going to leave it right there. <laughs> oh, wow! On February twenty, <laughs> on February twenty first, two thousand thirteen, Everett's attorneys got his bond reduced to twenty five thousand dollars, and he was soon out on bail. Was he trying to be? Was he trying to be the white Kanye West? Was he trying to be Kanye West? Well, no, because Kanye wasn't crazy yet. Nah, Kanye was crazy during Obama because he was talking about how Obama didn't care about black people and shit. Yeah, and there was the whole George Bush doesn't care about black people back after Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. So Kanye was crazy a long time ago. He wasn't as crazy as he is now. Well, yeah. He was. So. By comparison to how most people were back then in larger society, I feel like that wasn't that crazy. Maybe no. to white people. Yeah. Okay, fair. It was rambling, but... So, okay, but Curtis's damage was done. Everett stated, 
for someone to tell take advantage of the pain of pain this way Curtis did, that's beyond me. There's no honor in that. Any real man is going to defend the honor of his family. Now, we just heard his voice. It's any real man would defend the honor of his family. I don't think that's going to pick up on the radio or the recording, so I'm going to stick with that voice. You. You're. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, which brings us to the third week of April 2013. Curtis was certain that he was being followed. For the past several days, whenever he went anywhere, he would see some guy in sunglasses tailing him in a Crown Victoria or an SUV, and he was constantly hearing the sound of helicopters over his house. At this point, he was living alone with his dog, Moo Cow. On the night of April 17th... Why is he so good at naming dogs? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Good names. Well, Pogo was the other guy. Oh, okay. Why are they both so good at naming dogs? (laughs) Well, Moo Cow... And bands. Yeah. And bands. I didn't write it in, but Moo Cow was a Chihuahua Jack Russell Terrier mix that was Holstein colored. So the black and white spots. Yeah. uh So yeah. Well, yeah, I I assumed that it was black and white. So... Okay. Yeah. On the night of April 17th, he was set to visit Laura and have dinner with the kids. But he noticed that his neighbors, who usually kept to themselves in their home, were all on their front lawns. He waved at some of them, and they waved back in a way that seemed to Curtis that they were scared to be seen waving at him. As he left his house with Moo Cow in his lap, he stopped to check the mail. It was at this point that about two dozen cars and SUVs converged around him. Suddenly, he was surrounded by FBI, Homeland Security, Capitol Police officers, local police officers, and Secret Service agents, all pointing a wide array of firearms directly at him. Curtis? Yes. For what? We're about to get there. The crowd of men- You're good at writing these. (laughs) I'm so excited. He's good at this. I know. The crowd of men began screaming at him to get out of the car. Confused by what was going on, he stepped out of the car and was immediately put in shackles and handcuffs. Moo Cow jumped out of the car. You're always talking about me. Fuck that. If we didn't have him, this would be a non-starter, like, <laughs> at all. Truly, we are a three-legged stool. It, for real. Like, y'all don't even know. Like, we wouldn't... Listen, this could have been a much worse podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis began screaming about his dog. He was worried for her safety. One officer wearing sunglasses told him his dog was going to be fine. But Kevin wasn't convinced. Did that officer then shoot the dog? Because fuck the police. No. But Kevin wasn't convinced, and he asked the officer to remove his sunglasses and show his eyes, stating, I want to see your eyes when you tell me she'll be fine, because I don't think you give a damn about Moo Cow. Don't you have several several firearms pointed at you right now, and you're stopping to ask a cop to take off his glasses? Are you asking Paul Kevin Curtis? (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) To act like a rational human being? Yeah, the first time they put shackles on him, they actually shackled his dick, and they had to undo it and get his actual leg it was just <laughs> the biggest stick energy it's yeah. a, he also is a three-legged stool he's got yes. like a phantom energy dick like <laughs> just from sheer force of will so with his dog on the loose kevin curtis was hustled into a van <laughs> like like if goku was a rule 34 <laughs> lend me your power <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's good. Mm-hmm. So he was hustled into a van bound for the Lafayette County Jail in Oxford, where he would be held on suspicion of sending letters tainted with the poison ricin to a local judge, oh, a Mississippi senator, and Barack Obama. What? 
Yes. Wow. Does what Ryzen, is ricin? So spell it. R i c i n. Okay. Ricin is an incredibly toxic poison. And uh, the article that I got this from actually told you how to fucking make it. Oh fuck off. Yeah. So uh, rice. Does ricin? R-I-C-I-N? R-I-C-I-N. Thank you. Can ricin enter the bloodstream through touch? I think it had. I think inhale, inhalation. I'm not exactly sure. We'll get to there. Because it's We're not sure. like anthrax. Yeah. You can open an envelope with anthrax yeah. and it'll get you. But I don't think ricin is the same way. Well, we'll get there. I believe it has to be ingested. Uh, I'm not sure. Well, so on the 90 mile ride to the jail, Curtis began to know or begged to know what he was supposed to have done. The G-men would not tell him. They offered up no clue as to why an army descended on his neighborhood. When they reached off Oxford, Kevin spent three hours chained to a chair. Yo. Yeah, it says a pin drop can kill a man. Fucking yeah. Mm-hmm. One, one crazy fact about this, which I don't feel bad about sharing, because it's just one of those things that's like, oh yeah, wow, a, a normal thing could kill you, but different. It's uh, ricin is a kind of poison. It comes from the beans of the castor plant, mm-hmm. which are also used to make castor oil. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is, it's actually notoriously easy to synthesize. Or as, and very cheap. Or as I said, yeah. until I was in my late twenties, casserole, because that's yeah. how my grandmother pronounced it. And I did not know any different. <laughs> um, it, ricin was a major plot point in Breaking Bad. Oh, was it? That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was also the Om Shamrikyo, didn't they? It was the ricin attacks in oh, the Tokyo shit. subway. Oh yeah, that's right. Fuck. Yeah. So. Good, we'll, yeah. good call. We'll yeah. get back to them. So, in Oxford, in this story, no. Okay, in Oxford, <laughs> <laughs> listen, anything can happen here. It reaches further than you think. <laughs> I was like, in Mississippi, in Oxford, Kevin spent three hours chained to a chair in an empty interrogation room before anyone so much as spoke to him. Yeah, that's how all interrogations go. They make you sweat it out. After a time, he needed to go to the bathroom. He, he recalled, three agents walked me to a restroom, opened the stall, and they say, I know it's uncomfortable, but we have to watch you have a bowel movement. I say, you going to wipe me too? Late in the evening, the interrogation began in earnest. Kevin was told untruthfully that a young girl is clean, was clinging to life in the Tupelo hospital, basically of what he had, because of what he'd done. One of the agents summoned tears over this fiction. They said, you want her death on you? You want to tell us what was there, Kevin recalled? I'm like, what was in what? They won't tell me. They want me to say it. After a long and pointless back back and forth, they put their cards on the table. A Homeland Security agent asked Curtis point blank, are you familiar with ricin? And I say, I don't like rice. I don't really eat rice. (laughs) If y'all look in my house, you won't find any rice. He's like, ricin, Mr. Curtis, ricin, like anthrax. I say, I've never heard of that in my life, sir. And he says, you're a liar. At the end of a seven-hour grilling, the agents were beginning to suspect that they've picked up the wrong man. Finally, this is, this is Curtis recalling, they know they aren't getting anywhere, and they ask me, do you have any enemies? Do you know of anyone who wants oh, to harm boy. you? And I say, yeah, Everett Dutchke. Mm-hmm. The three letters that were sent out contained the poison ricin, a poison so deadly that a pin drop if of it can kill a man. It was sent to a, a local judge named Sadie Holland, who had convicted Curtis to six months in jail for assaulting a rhythm guitar player for double trouble. 
A man who Curtis you went for the rhythm guitarist. Come on, aim higher. A man who claims pulled a loaded pistol on him. At least kill the bassist, you know. (laughs) Right. Pulled a loaded pistol on him in a fit of drunken anger. Now, according to Laura Curtis, who was there during the dispute, Kevin never touched the guy. The guitar player happened to be the assistant district attorney, and Kevin's own attorney withdrew from the case, and his conviction was overturned on appeal. I have to say this, too. It totally makes sense that this would be Dutchkey trying to frame him for this. I don't know if it is. Okay, but this is why it makes sense to me. Because ricin is notoriously easy and cheap to manufacture Mm -hmm. or to synthesize. And a guy who thinks that he's the smartest in the world would for sure aim for what is actually the easiest and cheapest drug to synthesize. You might be right about that. So I mean, it, it makes sense either way. You know, mm-hmm. you send out a thing and then call in a tip anonymously, and you think, I'm so fucking smart, I didn't hurt anybody, and I got my fucking enemy put in jail. Right. And also, it totally fits what you would think would be the M.O. for Curtis. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Curtis would actually have the balls to go through with it. Well, we're about to get what was in the letters. Um, so though the feds were convinced that they had their man, Judge oh, Holland... it would also fully make sense if Curtis was just wily enough to just be like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't like rice. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Judge Holland herself had doubts about his guilt. She said, I never really once thought that Curtis had sent it. If he had sent it, why would he have signed off like that? Dutchkey, however, had once appeared in her court over a billing dispute with the parents of a Taekwondo student. Mm-hmm. He struck Judge Holland as a very arrogant person, and to be honest with you, it would not surprise me anything that he might do. Now, all three letters... So, wait, 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 wait. She's saying Curtis was like, what the... F- was like just some other... Some dude. Yeah. And that this guy specifically stood out to her as arrogant and Weasley? Yes. I can't believe it. <laughs> So all three letters contain the same message, which is as follows. No one wanted to listen to me before. There are still missing pieces. Maybe I have your attention now, even if that means someone must die. This must stop. To see a wrong and not expose it is to become a silent partner to its continuance. I am KC, and I approve this message. That is not the type of language that I would expect from KC. (laughs) Uh, I fully was like, oh, it's Tchotchke, or whatever the fuck. Nope, Tchotchke. Tchotchke's good. (laughs) It's Tchotchke from here on out. So, with his signature sign-off, mentions of Missing Pieces, which, remember, was the name of his book, Uh and the overall paranoia that permeated the letter, it's no wonder that Curtis was a suspect. However, his lack of knowledge about Ryson and the judge's statement, uh, because of his lack of knowledge about Ryson and the judge's statement, Kevin was released. Four days later, Everett Dutchkey was arrested. Unfolding in a far graver shadow of the Boston Marathon bombing, the Ryson story hit the news cycle almost as comic relief. Uh, Elvis impersonators, half-assed espionage, domestic terrorism as wacky screwball romp. After a little investigation, it was clear that Everett was the right man. Damning details include an interview with an unnamed witness who claimed to have heard Dutchkey touting his poison manufacturing know-how. God damn it, you called it. And his secret knowledge of a method of getting rid of people in office. 
There is also the report of an FBI surveillance team who claimed that they watched Dutchkey cart from his dojo to a dumpster down the street the box for a Black & Decker Smart Grind coffee grinder, to which Laura Curtis stated later that she forgot to tell the FBI that Dutchkey didn't even drink coffee. So why would he have a coffee grinder? A box containing latex gloves and a dust mask and drain trap cullings that tested positive for ricin. There's also the document recovered from Dutchkey's laptop titled Standard Operating Procedure for Ricin. God damn it. Which what a gonna, dumbass. I'm just going to sit here smugly. <laughs> which describes safe handling and storage method, methods for ricin. There are also the eBay and PayPal records indicating that Dutchkey paid for 50 red castor bean seeds, which are used to make ricin. And out of a preponderance for caution, we will not go into how... Uh, the de- the details on how ricin is actually made. Yeah, no, we're not going to do that. Or, or on or about November 17th, 2012, he made a second purchase of 50 red castor beans uh, seeds on or about December 1st, 2012. What a dumb ass. And what there, an idiot. And there are the text messages sent from Dutch Key's wife's phone days before his arrest with instructions to, quote, get a fire going because someone was coming over to burn some things. <laughs> Dutchkey, who pled not guilty, dismissed the preponderance of evidence mentioned in the FBI affidavit as absurd. I've read the FBI affidavit a thousand times and there's nothing illegal in it. When the GQ reporter mentioned the castor beans, he corrected them. Uh, castor seeds? Flower oh seeds. My fucking God. Completely legal flower seeds. Stuff that we've planted every single year. So citing his pending trial, Dutchkey declined to comment on the matter of the ricin-laced garbage. But evidence is forthcoming, he says, that will totally exonerate me. So then. it's We're edging into Joker territory. Right. <laughs> if I had any more faith in the intelligence level of Curtis, I would say that it's, it actually flips again. And Curtis framed himself... <laughs> and planted the evidence to make it look like Chachki did it. Because mm-hmm. so, they're both so stupid right, and crazy. Right. On some like Death Note L versus Light yep, shit. Yep, yep. So then. Except it's got the vibe of it's like M and B and N and all the motherfuckers. <laughs> so then does Dutchkey believe Curtis actually sent the letters? Well, the simplest answer, he says, is usually the correct one. And I think the simplest answer has already been out there, but they weren't able to make it stick. Tupelo residents... Spoken like a true... Idiot! (laughs) So Tupelo residents have a different opinion. They're quick to point out that for all Dutchkey's local renown as a, quote, genius, the ricin plot is not a masterwork of diabolical cunning. The ricin itself was so impotent that 80-year-old Sadie Holland huffed it with no oh ill effects. My God. And there are probably junior high schoolers who would have covered their tracks more shrewdly than the ricin letter senders did. So one wonders, if Everett Dutchkey loathed Kevin Curtis passionately enough to risk life imprisonment, can we really believe that he would have framed Curtis so bunglingly as to leave such a flagrant trail in his own yes. door? I can. <laughs> yep. The perpetrator's plot was so fucking dumb, stupid, so easily unraveled that it's not hard to wonder if Dutchkey did it, did he want to get caught? No, what? 
So no. That, so here goes one local theory. Some speculate that facing the possibility of 45 years for child molestation in Mississippi Parchman State Penitentiary, oh. an especially unhappy home for pedophiles, Dutchkey may have hit upon the ricin scheme as a route to a gentler bid in a federal penitentiary. Wow. wow. On Tuesday, April 23rd, 2013, Kevin Curtis was released from jail. I don't believe he's smart enough to have come up I with that either. plan. <laughs> I don't either. And in the course of a couple of hours, he underwent a transformation from public enemy number one to an unlikely sort of hero. Oh, my fucking God. A man- Chachki fa- did? No, Curtis. Oh, Curtis did. A man falsely accused and wrongly imprisoned for the blundering by the blundering feds. The following day, he boarded a plane to New York for a media spree, and his name was soon on the lips of all the news people, from Piers Morgan to Wolf Blitzer to Jon Stewart. Wolf Blitzer is a name I have not heard in an right. age. Yeah. So while Kevin missed the attention, will Kevin miss the attention of when the Rice and story is forgotten? No, he says, I'm not an attention-seeking glory hound. Yet he doesn't seem to be in a hurry to forget his brush with national notoriety. A sign on his front door enjoys enjoins visitors to refrain from knocking, maybe sleeping or making, quote, rice. Oh, my fucking God. A tiled still shot from his interview with Katie Couric serves as the wallpaper for his computer. No. (laughs) He seems to be enjoying it, Kevin's mother told the reporter. From the way it sounds, I guess, in a way, he's going to be better off. He's got a lot of things now to put his attention on. Like be on a TV show or be in a newspaper or be in a book or they're talking about a movie. Things like that will keep him busy, maybe. And I guess it will keep him out of trouble. Everett Dutchkey pled guilty in May of 2014 and was sentenced to 25 years in federal penitentiary. And that's the story of the Elvis impersonator and the attempt on Obama's life. Not really an attempt on Obama's life. Well, it was true. never going to fucking work. Like it never would have reached Obama first of all. Right, exactly. But what a dumb ass. <laughs> yep. That was great. Yeah, yeah was th- very thank you good. for that, Don. <laughs> and that's going to actually be our last deep dive not Satan related for a while. Yeah, no, um, we have we have one more episode. Yeah, or, we have a Christmas episode next week. Um uh-huh. and uh decided we're just going to do like uh, story time hour. We're just going to read maybe a couple Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun light Christmas yeah. episode this year. It's going to be Christmas themed, but it's going to be light. We're not deep diving the origins of Christmas or Krampus or anything. No. So There's like Exactly one Christmas legend that's it's Krampus. Creepy, and it's Krampus, yeah, exactly. and we did it. And we so did we're it. just going to have some yep. fun. Yeah. Fun episode. Had our dear friend Mark on yeah. it. I mean, I could have gone and done like we did with Halloween, where some of the traditions came from, but yeah, it gets old. Yeah. You know, Santa's red because of Coca Cola. Move you, on. You, right. You've all seen every video that you want to see about it. Exactly. What are the top 10 origins of these Christmas traditions? Be sure to like, click, like, and subscribe. Burger King Santa Claus. (laughs) But then, after Christmas episode, we're going to have our fun, lighthearted Christmas episode. Literally the very next week. After that, hail Satan. Guys, it's time. Yeah. Finally, we are bringing in 2023 with the Satanic Panic series. It's going to be... It's gonna be. It's gonna be satanic as fuck. It's gonna be satanic. Yeah. It's we're gonna have. It's gonna gonna be devil tastic. (laughs) (laughs) 
We're going to have a new logo for you guys. We're going to have a new intro for you guys. We are bringing in 2023 right. And then at the end of the Satanic Panic series, I'm going to tease this right now. (laughs) We are also going to be starting uh, a new format. For it's certain gonna episodes. Be, for certain episodes, yeah. It'll, it's not it'll go be a along, whole new series. Yeah, it'll be go along with like campfire stories. Yes. Things um, like that. But that's gonna be a lot of fun too. We're twenty twenty three is gonna be a good year. Yeah. For the show. I don't know about real life, but no. it's gonna be a good year for like our content. Yeah. Um I hope it gets a little better because these past two months have felt like an entire year to me. Yeah. And I'm tired. But on that note, uh, you know the routine. Like, click, share, subscribe. Please uh, refer us to your friends. Um, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Pod. If you can support us financially, uh, go to patreon.com slash two towns over. We've got five tiers going anywhere from $2 to 20 And guys, like the things that we've been talking about promising for a while, they're they're on they're in the final parts of production. They Again, are almost there. One it, year and two months. It's it's been a rough two months, okay? It's but, listen. <laughs> it hasn't let up in a while. No. No. It's literally every day we turn Cindy's Vagmobile is still in the shop. It's been two weeks. They have to take her entire engine out. Our listeners do not have enough context for what you just yeah, said. Yeah, they do, because I mentioned it last. We were talking about the car being messed up, and you said something about parking behind my wife's badge. Ah. Okay. Think, I, I hope. Okay, if that not. really <laughs> almost shocked me. <laughs> I was like, Don, what's happening? Oh, okay. <laughs> just in case. Just like, in case. Cindy's badge has been in the shop I for weeks. I said Vagmobile. <laughs> I said Vagmobile. They're then I was caught up the whole thinking, engine. And then I was caught up thinking when he said engine. I was like, they're going to think she has the most heavy-duty fucking dildo of all time. <laughs> well, you have to crank it like a motorcycle. But anyways, um, just just in case we didn't mention it, my wife, the, the license plate on my car, my wife's car has VAG on the back. So we call it the Vagmobile. It's a joke. It's an inside joke. It's now public. Goes worldwide now. Deal with it. Um, one thing I would like to ask, if you people enjoy our show, I need you to do us a favor. I need you to go to podbean.com, search our podcast, and follow us there. Because for whatever reason, we still do not appear on Podbean's um, page, the recommendations page. Really? And I've seen people that have less followers and less episodes that appear on this discover page that's what it's called really we don't appear there we don't appear under true crime we don't appear under comedy and i can't get a straight but answer we're the 16th best true crime podcast in the united arab emirates <laughs> it was <laughs> it was 17th but um still and that's no longer so no yeah yeah every week i get the new the new um charts and if we didn't chart it doesn't appear and i haven't seen anything about the united arab emirates since then Damn, we're so. going to have to start getting hostile about this. I don't want to get too hostile with the Arabs. So, <laughs> no, the, with, with the Emirates. The Emirates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the United Emirates. But, so, I'm... <sighs> of Arabic descent, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If, I mean, if you can go to Apple, leave us a five-star, leave us a review, try to get us into their algorithm, we... It's- once once we get to a certain point, we won't have to harp on this as much. Yes. So, like, if you want us to shut the fuck up about it, like, just do it. Yeah. It oh yeah. Literally... We gonna we gonna start just. I'm a I'm a top load it. If you don't, hey, listen. If you don't shape up, 
and help us out, <laughs> mm-hmm. I will top load it at the at the beginning of the episode. We will turn this podcast around. I'll turn this podcast around, <laughs> young person. <laughs> All right, uh, Ruben has a hand on a hip. Yeah. By the way, like, mm-hmm. do you want, do you want me to turn this vehicle around? I will turn this podcast. We're not that far from home. Don't make me take off my shoe. We're only a chunkla. Two towns over. Yeah. We're only two towns over. I've been soon to be certified demonologist, Josh. I've been soon to be certified demonologist, Don. I've been soon to be certified biblically accurate eldritch angel horror. Demonologist Ruben. And we will see you guys uh, next week for the Christmas episode. So you guys enjoy your holidays, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. Fuck me. Be good to yourselves. Fuck Dawn. You're more (laughs) resilient than you think you are. Fuck PKC and Chachki. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.